Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of She Runs Trails. I am your host, Elements of Daisy. Today's guest, we have Brianna, also known as Brie Saxy. I'm hope I'm pronouncing that right, um, on Instagram. The reason why I decided to invite Brie today um, is because she is a very amazing athlete. She currently holds the fastest known time on the Backbone Trail. Um, recently, a few months ago, last year, around September, she ran the Bear 100 and she got third place. And of those who are familiar with the Bear 100, it's a very strenuous and very hard 100 miler. And more, more, even more recently, the reason, the main reason to, to um, we want, we want to talk about today is her experience with overtraining. Um, she wrote an article. If you haven't already read it um, on BuzzFeed News, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I just got really nervous right now. Um, <laughs> I, you would think after 15 episodes, I would be a little bit more uh, um, calm. So I just had to let it out so I could get the nerves out, but. She has her article on BuzzFeed News, and if you guys could check it out later, it's, she linked it in her bio. She can see it there about overtraining. So we're going to be talking today about just her ultra running journey and overtraining syndrome. And yeah, Brie is a ultra runner. She is a reporter for BuzzFeed News, and I'm really excited to bring her on. So without further ado, let's bring her on. And hi, Vince. Welcome. Welcome to if you guys could feel free to ask questions. I'm going to bring Brie on right now. Thank you, everyone who's joining. Hey, hi, Bree. Sorry, I got nervous. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to drop my phone, so we're both doing great here. There we go. I'm like in my dad's office because I don't have it's on his printer because I like also don't have anything to like really properly put it on. But uh, there we go. Hi, hi. No, you look great. No, this is perfect. I did um, it. So, Bree, tell us a little bit. How did you get into the world of ultra running? I just keep saying yes to dumb things with my friends asked me to do them. Um, I joined in 2015 a marathon training program for new runners, but there were also a lot of experienced runners on there from Nutribullet, and they sponsored us to do the LA Marathon. And the coach of that team, Jimmy Dean Freeman, who runs the LA um, SoCal Coyotes, he had a bunch of his trail runner friends on the team. So they kept being like, you should come to one of our trail runs, like Thursday morning, 6 a.m. And I was like, absolutely not. I will die. And like probably like a month or two in, they wore me down and I went. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I completely was hooked. And so they kept pushing me into like a 15K, a 50K, 50 miler. And it just all went uh, um, from, from there. I just fell in love with it. Did you run road running before? No, really. So I had this love-hate relationship with running. I think like we all do. And Jimmy was such a great coach. And basically, re I relearned how to run because of this team and the group that he brought on. So I just learned I had been running all wrong. I'd been running too fast. I hadn't done nutrition. I wasn't drinking water. So once I figured out that I could run for a while, um, on the road and, and then on the, the trails, it just, everything kind of clicked and I just kept doing it um, and uh, formed a really great community. So that was a big part of it too. When did you realize you were actually like good? You were like, cause you, you didn't, you start to start running and 
you've been doing great since the beginning. You just kind of like, it just came, seems like it came naturally for you. Like, when did you realize like, oh my God, I actually could be very, or is there your instinct to be competitive? Well, that's a great question. I, I think my competitive, I've always been competitive, but like really unsure of myself. So I'm more competitive with myself than anyone else. And I'm really hard on myself. So I would start the line at most races about to have like a panic attack and like, I don't think I can do this. You know, I'm going to die. Um, and then I think once I started racing, like doing races and finishing people around me started to be like, wow, that was like, you, you did great. And I had a lot more left in the, the tank. Um, so I think around probably like, I don't even know. I, I started working with a coach for the first time, like a real coach um, in 2019 and then things kind of took off from from there. I um, came in second at Lake Kuyamaka 100K and then first at Ray Miller. And that was like, whoa, oh, okay. Like maybe I could kind of do this more seriously. So that was, that was a fun surprise. Do you feel like the competitiveness kind of became addicting? Like winning and getting like, getting ch that, that high of being chased and you chasing the clock kind of thing, did that? <laughs> No, because everyone who knows me will, will tell you, like, for most, most all races, I, like, had no idea I was doing, like, that well. I would always be like, you, like, my friend Julio at Ray Miller, I came in in just such a, like, a pissed off mood because I was, like, so hard at Ray Miller. And I was like, this is, like, I gotta, I gotta quit. Like, I can't do this. He's like, Bree, like, you're in first. So I was like, what? Like, there's, like... <laughs> So most of the races, I'm like, there's absolutely no way. But I think it's more the competitiveness, as I said, like with myself to like want to push. And that's what got me into to trouble is like kind of like pushing, pushing, pushing. But I never, I don't really race to like compete for a podium or anything like that. Because again, I think I still start races being like scared out of my mind and like very intimidated. <laughs> So what, what gets you out to start tr to do the training? Like what, what's your why? What motivates you to get yeah. the training in? I think like many of us just seeing what we can do out of our comfort zone. I mean, I think running for me means so many things and it does and brings so many things to me and for me. But I, I like, you know, just seeing what I am made of and like facing my fears i i operate most of the time in a like kind of out of fear of like oh my god this is gonna hurt or this distance i don't know if i can finish this and it's that mental battle with myself of like you know i can do it and i can do it and seeing what unfolds along the the way and also my coach justin torres is amazing and he from the beginning is like oh you know you're this type of you you could maybe hit this as a this times or and I'm like, you've, you're on crack. There's no way. And then kind of just like chipping away day by day and being like, oh, wow, maybe actually that could be a, a reality. And that's, um, that's a, like a powerful thing to experience. And when you, for your coach, when you start running, start getting trained with your coach, did you feel like at any point, like, okay, this is way out of my reach. Or when he would tell you, you can do this work, or you would kind of like, I'm just going to trust the process. I'm going to listen to my coach and I'm just going to do the training. Like, how was that relationship? Yeah, most of the time I would text him, like, just a bunch of question marks and, like, curse words being like, uh, I, you're, are you, like, there's absolutely no way. And um, then I would try it and it would, 
you know, be hard or not, or it'd be actually like, I'd surprise myself. So most of the times he would put something on there and I would be like, this is, there's no way. And then I would try it. So I think that that's kind of what training is, is it gets you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. You know, a lot of workouts or, or, or big runs. Um, and that was like for CIM too. Like he told me, he's like, Oh, like which I just ran last December, you know, you're in shape to run this type of time, this time. And I was freaked out. I was like, there's, there's absolutely like no do that. And like, he was right. So um, I think having others who believe in you and like, mem like members of the community who are, you know, experienced, but also like see your potential and you are close with, I think is really an important part of running. We have a question here from Ludi. What is your strategy to get out of your head? I wish I, I had one. Um, so the head is the mental is the hardest thing for me still, I would say it is my biggest battle. I went through a period where I DNF'd almost every race for almost a year because I would have panic and anxiety attacks um, during the run, usually the first five-ish miles. And so I just had to get really familiar with those thoughts and accept that they were going to come and then just know that I couldn't do anything to stop them, but I could learn how to just flow with them and then keep reminding myself that in the past I had proven them to be untrue. So that's kind of my mental strategy and also just trying to stay in the, as in the moment as, as possible, like mile by mile, aid station by aid station, like not thinking about the distance in its entirety, like 100 miles, for example. It's just like, okay, like I'm going to be out here until the sun rises. And then when the sun rises, I'm going to have a gel and then I'm going to have another gel and letting it build uh, moment by moment. Let's talk a little bit about DNFing because um, you did bring that up. And was it, how, how's your relationship with, with not finishing races? Was it just like, did you get depressed or did you get, did it fire you up to train even harder or get, do better the next run? Or was it, because I feel like DNFs do two things to you. They either, as an athlete, they either get you depressed and you feel like a failure because you feel like, oh my God, this is, what, what am I even an athlete? I mean, you question, you start, you start questioning if you're even a runner or it fires you to like, okay, I'm going to, I need, I need, a, I know what I need to work on and just better myself. What's your relationship with DNFing? I think it can be both. So I had both experiences. I, Every time I DNF'd, I swore to myself it would be the last time I would do that. And then it would happen again, and I would be even more cruel to myself, and I, you know, would cry. But every time I DNF'd, I would sign up for another race, and I would finish it, and I would do really well. So I think it was this joint, this dual relationship with, like, n feeling the crushing defeat of it and then like learning to accept it and then knowing that I still really wanted that experience and I wanted to finish it and then letting myself go get it a second another time mm -hmm. but again I think it all is grounded in this like self-doubt and imposter syndrome that I think we all have as just being human mm -hmm. which is like our we're not really good at this you know so I think it's DNFing is for a lot of reasons, sometimes a healthy and safe choice. And I think that you have to make that call, but when it's fear-based or mental, um, it's being learning how to like be gentle with yourself and like understanding that 
the mental part, I think, is honestly a bigger factor than the physical part of running in a lot of ways. And sometimes, like, if you're mentally tired, it's like a muscle and, you know, it's not your day. And your mind is just as important as, as your, your body and learning how to, to train it and also be okay when it's not ready to go. I never even thought about the mental fatigue or mental, like sometimes you always say, when you go in a race, I'm only gonna DNF if my leg is broken or it's kind of like, if I'm, it's gonna lead to an injury, but you never think about, I'm gonna DNF if I feel like this is having a really big mental effect on me at the race. And that's really interesting that you brought that because I've never thought about it that way. I've always- I, Yeah, I haven't either. And so that's one of the reasons I was like so hard on myself in this period of DNFing. And I just didn't, connect the big picture dots of my life of what was going on like you know a lot of the times I you know I was moving or um I have a very high stress job so I would come from a very taxing assignment I'm a journalist and or I was in a breakup or whatever it whatever we go through and like so stress is stress so when you're stressed out mentally and emotionally a lot of the times that impacts how you run. And even if you're in the best shape of, of your life, if you can't like mentally click in, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. So I also had to like, and I still not great at remembering that, but it is all connected, you know? Uh, that's very powerful. I, I really hope people really got that. Cause that's that rewind. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> go back and really listen to this. Cause this is, we train, we're always so focused on training the physical part but we forget to train the mental part and we forget to listen to the mental things that are happening. The stress is stress. Yeah. Um, it's not just That's physical stress. Yeah. Like kids and jobs. And mm -hmm. it's like, if you're not, my coach always said that like when I would DNF and he would, he would say, look, like if your mind is where it is, like it's okay. And it, you, you know, but like, that's like, you have to be so in a zone a lot of the times um, to, to race. And we don't really realize like the work that it takes to get there too. Well said. Um, there's another question here um, from Vince. HR, so he's saying, so HR ranges from 178, 175 to 178 when going uphill power walk. So he's not even running. How does he train for a lower heart rate? So, Wait, question? Vince, so he, what he's saying, if I understand his question, is that when he power hikes an uphill, his heart rate's so high that he's not even running. How does he low, How does he train to lower his heart rate if he's not even going to? Like he doesn't feel like he's going too fast. Yeah, heart rate is is hard. I would say one of my old coaches advised us, and we did an uphill clinic once that if you can't see the top of the hill, you should walk. And if you're training hills, I I mean I'm not like an expert because I hate going uphill. But what I would say is most of us, we go too fast. So I would train um, like kind of like maybe starting to hike sl like slower and like stay within, you know, like the 150 range and then just like keep kind of like repeating that. And also hill sprints are really great. Like in like 30 second to 45 second hill sprints. Um, if you like work those into your training, then that will help build your uphill legs and that will also then over time make your heart rate lower when you are you know staying at a sustainable pace going uphill yeah and I, and I would add to also maybe check the device that you're checking your heart rate because if you're if you don't let's say you have a watch and you didn't calibrate your watch correctly you might be getting an off heart rate so make sure you're i would use i use the chest the chest heart rate because i feel like that gives you the most accurate 
heart rate, that's what I would add to. And then just focus on your breathing. I feel like when you breathe, yeah. You, yeah. You, you it controls your heart rate. So it lowers it down. So in through your nose, out through your mouth. Um, thank you for the, asking that question, Vince. I think heart rate is very important to understand and kind of train and learn how to train with heart rate. Brie, um, what are some habits that you have found that have really helped you to be successful with running? Um, I mean, consistency is the biggest thing. I've had to learn this the hard way is sleeping. I never uh, really respected how much we need to sleep. So that is something that I'm trying to get a lot better at running slowly. So a lot of our runs should be way, I think way slower than we think. And I'm also guilty of like not following my own advice with this, but yeah, I think like un the whole being chill thing is really underrated and also undervalued. I think in our sport, it's like, even though there's so many experts and coaches who hammer this in is a lot of our time should be spent in like a certain chill zone. Um, we're always like, oh, I like jam this and this minute per mile. So I would say, yeah, like being consistent, learning when to back off. Like if life is just being life and like you're exhausted, then like forego the run, which is really hard to, to do. Um, but I would say like those are some of my also nutrition. I started eating before runs. And that was a big game changer for me. Like, even if it's like a little run, just like a bite of something, that's, uh, that's big. What are some things that you, you eat, you eat before run? Can I kind of like for your nutrition? Uh, it depends. Your yeah. So if I'm doing a workout and that's like a, a big workout, I try and make sure I have like electrolytes. Um, I will do like usually half of a banana slice of toast, almond butter is my go-to staple for for everything and if i yeah again if it's like a big uh, or like a workout that i know i'm gonna be torching um i i try and do electrolytes and some type of like pre-drink mix like goo noon morton so let's go back i know you said so you started getting a coach in 2019 and i was reading your article it's you said like in 2020 and 2000 that's when you really decided like you know what I want to take this like to the next level. Like you want to, you had bigger goals. Like what, what influenced that to kind of like, I'm going to start challenge that you're already challenging yourself, but challenging yourself even more um, because you did the FKT in January last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. So ironically, I, I decided at the end of 2019, like for the first time ever, my coach and I, we laid out a whole schedule for my year. I've never done that before. We had A race, B race, C race. I felt super legit and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this running thing. And then like the pandemic happened. <laughs> so I just had, and I think I, I worked more in my entire life in, in like those like few months in the beginning of the pandemic. So running then became like the only thing we could do, right? Like we couldn't do anything else. Um, and so I think it was a twofold thing is like at the beginning of 2019, like I really wanted to see what I was made out of and I wanted to commit to it and take it seriously and see what would happen if I actually like put training and effort into it. And then once that got taken away from me, I running kind of became so, like, you know, an outlet, it became a, like a way to, we could see people, an adventure thing. Um, and I ran, I think like 
more than 3,100 miles into 2021, which is a lot. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of without races, which is, which is pretty crazy to, to think about. Um, and I decided to move to Colorado to run. So I think it just became this thing where people were like, oh, you're so good. You're so good. Like, you know, what would happen if, if I actually took myself seriously, which I think is really hard for people to do. And I still struggle with that. So that was, that was it. I think I really wanted to just like take myself seriously and give myself um, a shot at something that I really love doing. And at what point, so would, do you feel like this was the beginning of the overtraining, kind of like the beginning of that journey of you like just pushing yourself or, or where did you feel like now looking back, it's probably at the time you didn't realize it, but now yeah. looking back, when do you feel like you were starting to overtrain and how did that look like for you? I, my personality is I have a really hard time chilling out. So I also don't like resting. I know, like I can't, this is the longest period that I have been chill in like seven years and I have gotten it's I'm still deeply uncomfortable with it but looking back I've been setting myself up for this for the past seven years I haven't adequately rested after races ever um I don't I hadn't properly fueled my body um I had like disordered eating eating disorder stuff in my 20s and so that it's just like a compounding effect, which I've had to like look back and realize like that I, um, I'm really lucky in, in that I was able to shift gears and make strides. But I would say, you know, 2020, I ran a ton and then I went, I attempted the backbone and I like my hip was hurting. So I made it like 50 miles and then decided to call it. And 10 days later I did it again. Um, and then I did it really rest after that. And that kind of just, you know, like took off. And I think after CIM this past year, I got hungry and I wanted to like go for a even, you know, 250 something marathon, whatever. And I didn't take the time off then. So I think it, it is, it's a long answer to your question, but it was a years long build of, I think once I started adding a lot more workouts to it, I tipped myself over um, the line and I didn't also treat myself like the pro proper athlete in terms of like giving my, my body the adequate rest and fuel that it needed. I still was like buzzing around, you know, working a ton. Um, yeah, not getting enough sleep. So it's, yeah, it was, I, but I didn't, you know, you don't realize it cause I think it, it kind of was a slow build, I would say. So it was accumulation of all the years of everything you've been doing and just kind of compound on top of each other. I think, yeah, I think that had I rested for even like two weeks, maybe after, and that's what I've learned is like people like just take a, a week, like, <laughs> like to, it will save you months. Um, and that's, I think the painful lesson I, I had to learn is like, if you're feeling off, then like listen to that and and like you know like you know when you're off like you know if you're too tired like you're more tired than you should be or like you're still a little sore or you're feeling a little low um pay attention to those signs because they, they i believe that they do mean something so there's a question from the real fit coach excluding a race or fkt what is the most mileage you've done in one week of training in one week of training um 
Good question. Um, I think I hit 85. Um, yeah, I think that was uh, the most that I had hit without like an event or like a camp. Mm-hmm. Like did, like a camp. And so I think we went over that. But that, yeah, usually I was in the 70, 70-ish, 75-ish on um, per week for a while. When like when you train were you training for bear, what was like your peak weeks? What was your mileage for your peak weeks? So the ironic thing about bear was I really <laughs> um like technically for that, and the coach I was working with actually was like, I don't think you're trained for this race. I don't think you should do it. And I was like, Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. So whoops. Um and but I think I I came into that race under train and I actually and I ran it really smart like I mm-hmm. I, I honestly I was in like the fifties mm-hmm. for most of that um, period because I was covering fires and I just was like not um, not like in training mode so I I maybe hit sixty but I had done Trans Rockies actually which was a great training thing and I had done well there. So that was a good sign. And Trans Rockies is 120 miles. Um, and that was like, we, I did that thing. And then I kind of was like low in the fifties um, until, until bear. But I, again, I think like kind of like being a little under trained sometimes is a huge benefit. And then I, I started the race slow and I just ate a lot and just was able to stay consistent. What, what other things did you do that, like you would consider smart training I mean smart running a race smartly because um, I feel like sometimes we don't like I guess it's different for everyone like running smart but definitely starting like you mentioned starting slower eating what other things did you do for bear that you feel like helped? um I think I was still intimidated by the distance it was the second time I had run a hundred mile race and I was at this point mentally where I was like I just want to enjoy myself and finish I had had um you know, the trans Rockies was, was really a great experience, but I was struggling with panic and anxiety attacks every day of of that one. And so I wanted just for myself to give myself an enjoyable time. So I don't usually run looking at a watch ever. I just run by feel. So I ran that whole race, not looking at a watch and, um, I ate spring energy and, um, I would have some real food coming into every aid station. That's what, um, Addie Bracey, who's a great mental coach. She advised me on like, have some real food at every aid station and then like stay consistent on calories. So I was eating between two to 300 calories an hour. Um, and I just was able to stay on that. And, uh, I kept the first 26 miles, like really chill. And then, um, even like on the downhills, which I usually love to like blow, blow down. I like held back. And so, yeah, fueling and, and just, and like staying, like going slower than you even think you should in the beginning, I think for a trail race, it really helps. Thank you. Respect the distance guys, even if you've done it before. Vince has another question. Do you cycle or weight lift? What is your favorite cross training exercise? I've gotten really into strength training, um, especially with overtraining syndrome and I haven't been able to run as much. I have, and last year too, when I, um, I took a little bit of a break and I started doing strength work and I noticed such a big difference in my performance. I love yoga. I used to be super into boxing. I'm trying to get back into that. I did like a little boxing thing today, but yeah, just like strength work, even like 20 to 30 minutes, um, makes makes a big a big difference 
Um, so let's go back to the your overtraining syndrome. So you talked about weakness. We talked about we. I mean about resting and why why did you see why do you feel you saw rest as a weakness um yeah when, i think a lot people, oh go ahead oh what i was just gonna add when when people were telling you or you started getting told that hey you should probably slow down and rest a bit and you're probably like nope 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 and you know you seen as a weakness what what do you think led to you having that story that you've told yourself about rest being weakness I mean, I think a big thing is ego. I think a lot of people are invincible and that like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Like those people over there need rest and I don't need rest. Um, I think it's like been, it's a complicated answer. I have a ton of energy. Like it's uncomfortable sometimes. Like I wake up and I'm like wired. <laughs> so that way since I was little, um, I don't, I've been Zoom Zoom since I was little, one. Um, two, I think culturally we don't really value rest here. Like in the U we pride ourselves on climbing the ladder in the hardest way possible. And I've gotten like five hours of sleep and I went from this workout class to the work this work. You know, we like we just I I, I don't know, like we pump that up. Um and I really fed on that. It, that culture um so i think that and my nature really fed into that too i like i it clicked well with me um i talked about my mom in the article and like she um had a history of like anxiety and, and depression and she always like needed to rest and i i think i didn't want to end up like her so that was an aspect of it too where i just like tried to feel like i needed to be really strong and i could handle all this stuff as a kid um because she couldn't handle it so yeah, I think that like, it's, it's a lot of reasons. And also just, I don't like slowing down. I think it's, un, you know, it's, it's unnatural for me. And I've had to like, learn to appreciate, you know, sitting still and meditating, what, you know, whatever we, we do to like, just be with our thoughts. Um, running for me was a way to just get a lot out and like work through things. So when I wasn't able to do that, I think I would kind of get a little bit riled up and I've had to learn how to like get that out in other, in other ways. And what were some of the symptoms? You probably didn't know at the time there were symptoms, but now reflecting, you probably do. What were some of the symptoms you experienced for overtraining syndrome? Uh, yeah. So I, um, depression was pretty crazy. I, like, I think we've all been down, but this was like, I just felt like I, I didn't want to see anyone. Um, I'm very social. I love my friends. Like I love being like in five places at once, like doing a million things. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to see anyone. I just like was so tired too. Like I was like, like bone tired and I couldn't sleep. That was a weird thing, but I thought it was just because I was like anxious and I had a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But like, I was like, my eyes would hurt. Um, I gained a bunch of weight. Uh, my face puffed up. My it's still puffy. Um, that and that was the that finally like started getting my attention. Obviously, because we're so vain. I was like, what? Like, what is what? What is going on? You know, I didn't like, think about all the other things. But the experts I talked to actually said that the biggest indicator of overtraining syndrome is a change in your mental state. So if you're starting to feel like, 
you know, you lose like your sex drive. If you're starting to feel like super like depressed or like anxious or like things that just don't really make sense. That's a, a key thing to pay attention to. Um, but it's hard because there's like so many horrible things going on all the time. But that's like, I didn't really like, connect the dots. So, um, but I would say just like being honest with yourself and, and being like, huh, like I've been feeling this way for a while. It's not really getting better. Like maybe there's something that's not about like, it's not like externally or something. It's maybe something I need to address and look at. When did you realize like, oh shoot, like I, I have overtraining syndrome. Like what was that moment for you? I went to Patagonia to run this amazing O-Trek, um, which is something that I had mm. tried to do in November with some amazing people and we got to go back. And I, um, and looking back, this was like, I think when it got really bad and I didn't notice, but I, I, I like, mm. I couldn't even run. I was struggling. I had insomnia the whole time. Um, and that was like, and I just thought like, I wasn't able to run or I was feeling weird because it was insomnia. Um, but I didn't realize it was like all connected. So I had done CIM. I went straight in, I moved. And then I had like really stressful job with work stuff. And then I tried to go straight into training to another marathon. And then I went on this Patagonia trip to run, you know, 70, whatever, 60, whatever, 75 miles, I think in a few days. Uh, and, and I, and I should have been able to like do it because it was just kind of fast packing. It was super chill. Um, but my heart rate was crazy. Every time we would start, I was like dizzy. So that was like, okay, something is wrong here. Um, but again, I think we're not like well-versed in that, that I just equated it to other things. And I got back to the U S and I took a day or two off and then I tried to just keep training again. Um, and, uh, and then I just got further down the hole. And what, what have you been doing? So once you realize, okay, I do have overtraining syndrome, what steps did you take to like, okay, how I'm going to get better? How I'm going to get out of this? Yeah. Um, so that was February 13th that I, I like may, I did a bunch of research. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's me. Oh, wow. Okay. I hit all of these <laughs> marks like pretty much. Um, well, I think I have a problem. So I, I messaged my coach and in my head, I was like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to take a week or two off and then I'm going to be able to still do this race and it's fine. And I had to kind of get into this mental evolution of like, oh no, this is going to be like a month thing. And then I started talking to doctors and they said six months. And I just was like, are you like, what am I going to do? So it was a huge, I had to stop. I basically stopped training. I was only allowed to do 20 to 30 minutes of activity for a while, which was brutal. Uh, Cause then you think about how your body relies on running for like serotonin for your social networks for phys you know, just physical, like being, seeing beauty, all these things. So not only was I depressed from like just the overtraining syndrome, I like then came off this cliff of my body, like not having this thing it's been used to having for seven years. Um, so that was, that sucked. And then I was like able to like kind of slowly start building back. I would say after a month of like super low activity and just sleeping, eating really, really well, um, bunch of supplements every day. Uh, I was able to like, you know, I'm slowly kind of incrementally I'm on my 
second or third week back of training now. Um, I'm able, I'm like doing 50 miles a week. So <laughs> I, know, I was like, Woo! I have my first speed workout tomorrow in a long time. So I'm like, you know, scared, but, or not scared. It's like 30 seconds things, but yeah, it required me to have a completely different mental shift that still is like really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. And this was February of this year. Yeah. Right? Of this, of this year. Um, what, and so I, I would say like probably like two, three weeks ago is when I finally was like, or, or, or maybe that I, yeah, I think like two weeks ago was when I was like, huh, like, okay, I think I'm starting to feel a bit more normal and my body is stabilizing um, and like coming back to normal. Um, I'm not as tired. So I got, um, I got really lucky because I think I caught it early. A lot of people's stories who I interviewed for my piece were really devastating. And what, what were you, did you, did you get other resources? Did you use other resources or get a help anywhere else to kind of help you cope through all this? Because you were dealing with your mental health, yep. physical health. You were, you know, so many things going on. And then the stress with work and you're, you know, you used to rely with running to release the stress from work. And now you don't have that anymore. Did you have anything else to kind of help you navigate through all this? Totally. I mean, it's a really hard thing to navigate because our medical system it's not really recognized in our medical community. It's not like you can go to the doctor and like, hey, can you test me for training syndrome? There's no biomarker. And also when we come into doctors, we are at a much, you know, like higher level than normal people. So it's just hard to tell that there's something wrong. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I had the resources, like I'm, you know, living at home right now with my dad. Um, uh, my mom, uh, who lives in Northern California, I went up with her for two weeks and she like really helped me out with the um, food. Like she was like making me food and stuff. And I was able to just kind of like collapse. I don't have kids. So I I'm grateful to be able to have had that opportunity. I see, a, I guess, a therapist. Um, I think therapists are really helpful for, for all things. I started working with a nutritional therapist who has been uh, a game changer for me too, to learn just like the science of food and like why we need what we do and like work on like the disordered eating thoughts and, and things like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to like be a resource for people too. I've been answering questions from, from people. Um, I formed some good relationships with others who have had this and we kind of like, we talk a lot and, um, and I think like doing the research myself and having to like interview experts and doctors for the story was, was pretty helpful. I feel like sharing your story, being vulnerable also helped. Yeah, it did. And I didn't realize, I think how vulnerable it, it was. Like I wrote that like in kind of one go, cause I was just in such a low place and I'm really lucky that my company Buzzfeed news, like they put on this body week series and I, ironically had pitched this other story about my body and like a positive thing I had come into and like I'm running better than ever and like it's because of this thing and then I like a month later I'm like you know well actually two months later but I'm like so I actually am like in a complete hole I like yeah, I'm not I will I'm running like I can't even run anymore like I don't even know what I'm doing in my life but can I write about this instead and they like pushed me to like you know, be more vulnerable. And then I published it. 
And then I started getting these responses being like, oh, that was so brave. That was so courageous. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> did I, I like overshare. Um, but it ended up being a really good thing and was really powerful for me at a time where I was like, I didn't, I still don't know if I'll ever get back. I think that's the hard, been the hardest thing in this whole thing. I'm like, will I get back to where I was? Like, can I run the way I used to? I don't know. Um, I'm like, I'm grateful to like be running now, but it's still like the unknown, I think is the hardest thing and hearing from people who were like, I, I got back, like I'm, I recovered. Um, and then I also heard from a lot of people who never did. And that made me take it a lot more seriously. Did you feel more like you're not alone by sharing your story? Like you were like, so many people reached out to you like, oh, I can relate this happened to me too. Did you kind of feel like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And did, were you shocked about how many people like yeah, I think so. what I wanted to convey in the story and like why I wrote it the way that I did is like burnout, we have been through so much in such a short time, like the racial justice protests, the pandemic, like the Trump presidency, like how like trying to like raise a family during this, like trying to just survive. And then so like burnout, it's not just about running. It's like our like souls have really sustained a lot of stress and the stress stays in our bodies. So I was hearing from people who were also journalists. I was hearing from people who um, were healthcare workers. I was hearing from people who were runners and they also were healthcare workers. So I think it's a very universal thing that like we don't really talk about. Um, and I was very shocked by the outpouring of, of Me Too that I got from, uh, I think people just having similar symptoms to overtraining syndrome, um, just from trying to, you know, make it through a pandemic and a very uh, tumultuous time in our country. Yeah, burnout is a real thing. And like you said, uh, you don't necessarily have to be an athlete to experience that. It's just when we juggle too many things in our in our plate, it, it, it's hard, it's hard, we're human, right? already burnt out and then I was trying to train through it and then I really fucked myself sorry but I screwed and then I really screwed screwed myself but I think a lot of people are burnt out and they they don't realize it and that like there actually are things you can do to help yourself feel better and it's not it's not hard it just takes a bit of like research but you know if you're feeling like totally drained and tired all the time that's not normal, especially for our age. Like what, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something to look at. What, based on the research that you did and talking to professionals, what advice would they suggest to do if you start feeling the burnout? What are some things that we should consider doing? Your blood work done. Um, and that's like, that's hard because you have to go to a, uh, a doctor and I have, I can send a list um, from the, the expert that I talked to. He gave me a list of like, this is a good panel for you to get done and you can request it from your doctor. Supplements are really great, like adrenal support, um, vitamin B, vitamin D. And I'm not a medical professional, so I'm not like telling you to take this, but this is like what experts had told me. Um, but you know, cortisol, that, that was something like my cortisol levels were off the charts and I didn't know that that was a pretty big deal. Um, so making sure like if you, if you're feeling that way, it might be a cortisol thing, go ask to get your cortisol levels checked. But you know, your, the blood work is like, is a huge tell, um, tail sign of, of reading what's going on in, inside your body. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. There was a question here about the speed project, which Congratulations. Uh, oh. that, that was just in March. That was um, 
uh, the real fit coach says tips for handling the heat and sun during the speed project. Oh, um, speed project. That was the ride this year too. I probably should not have done the speed project. I'm just putting that out there, but, um, I, uh, I mean, if you can, if you can't train in, in the heat, um, steam steam rooms are a really great training for, for like heat training but obviously um you know like just trying to stay not not pushing yourself like too too hard in the, the heat and then like recovering immediately afterwards with electrolytes and water and you know recovery beverages and, and powders um i am i think i'm lucky that i live well not when i was in colorado but like in california you know i'm used to to running to running in the heat but and it's it's definitely hard to acclimate but if you if you can't and you're training for a hot race um saunas and, and steam rows are really good things to incorporate what what do you thrive more running in the heat or running in the cold weather it's the cold like you should have seen me when i moved to colorado like well i i will also wear shorts until it's 20 degrees like i would show up to these runs and all these colorado runners are like what where did you come from like what is wrong with you because i have like a million layers on and like two pairs of gloves and then I'm like in shorts still because I like hate running in pants um I like 30 degrees 30 degrees is great below 30 I'm like not really a fan <laughs> um I would yeah I'd much rather prefer um the I would I would run like 100 degrees any day than than like 25 so well and 30 degrees is actually pretty I feel like for me it's like 60 degrees I'm already like oh yeah. like it's like <laughs> California soft um you know like but there would be times in Colorado like I would finish a run and I learned this the hard way is you don't want to take your gloves off immediately and like warm your hands because like them coming back to life mm -hmm. is like brutal so I would be like crying like like just like walking around like trying to bring them down um so yeah that I the cold running I, I have so much respect for people who who do it I I did it for um for a, a winter in, in Colorado and I like I it was it was painful do you have favorite shorts I oh yeah I saw that question um I I really like Brooks um they any shorts with like kind of like pockets um on the side I've I've gotten really into I am uh, a big fan of boa shorts for men because they have sweet patterns on them and then they have the like flip on the side or like the split on the side for some reason, women's shorts, we can't get the split on the side. I don't know why they make them for guys. So I just will buy the guy shorts. So, <laughs> I, You know, it's, it's funny because I recently started getting guy shoes. I just get my size. And oh, like, nice. Because I like the colors. They have like brighter colors. Like, why can't women have brighter colors? Because I'm all you about the bright awesome. colors. <laughs> yeah, like everything pink. Um, a rabbit also has some good shorts. I like rabbit shorts. Do you have favorite running shoes? I, I mean, I was a huge Sockney fan, Sockney Peregrines for trail um, ultras. I've started to get into uh, a little bit more. Um, yes, I, I run primarily in Sockney for trail and road, I would say. Um, so I know we're kind of towards the end of the podcast today, but I have a few more questions. One of the last questions about overtraining syndrome. What would you, what advice or what would you tell someone who is currently experienced overtraining syndrome and they're just in this kind of dark hole where they just don't see a way out? What, what, what do you want to share with that person? Uh, I mean, I've been there. It is, I mean, 
I think it's a very lonely experience because you can't like, no, like so few people, I think know what that is like in our worlds, you know, inner circles. Um, and so it gets better. It, it's going to suck for a while. Um, and I think it's like changing the mindset of it and being, I like, I viewed it as, I mean, I had to just view it as something that like I had to attack. Like I like to attack races. I like to attack my work. Like, okay, like I have to like do everything I can to get better. And I made that my focus. Um, I would say be okay with being alone. Be okay with being lonely. Be okay with being sad. Um, sleep without judging yourself for it. Um, and that it will get better incrementally. And you'll definitely feel like yourself again, it's just gonna take a, a bit. And you have to, you know, be okay with um, like, this is something I've been trying to reframe too, is I was talking to my friend Julio, and I was like, really depressed. Because I'm like, I lost a whole year, like I lost a whole year, I've worked so hard. I had all these goals and races like that I wanted to do. And I'm like, now I don't even know what I'll you know, be able to do. And he's like, you didn't lose anything you actually are becoming stronger by learning how to properly rest and recover. And imagine if you hadn't caught it earlier, like what could have happened? Like you could have maybe really done serious damage. So that's something that I would say too, is that it feels like a huge loss, but you're actually like, you know, giving your body something that it has been needing and it will, you know, I think repay you for that in the long run. Um, and what are like some of the biggest learning lesson that overtraining syndrome kind of that you took from this experience for yourself? Uh, I'm more than a runner, you know, like I think it's been my identity, a huge part of my identity for so long, um, that I can exist without having races and running millions of miles and I can still I still matter and like I'm still doing cool things. I think it's hard when we're so wrapped up in a thing that I defines us. So I learned, you know, I had to learn that. Um, uh, friends, I, I became, you know, I, I spent a lot more times with friends who don't run. And that has been, um, you know, I've gone like, we'll go on walks with them. Um, and, and that's been nice. What else have I learned? Again, like paying more attention to my signs of my body, knowing that it's, it's strength to back off instead of push through. Like I would push through anything to get my run done. Um, like I haven't, you know, and I, now I'm just like, okay, well, like, like last week, for example, I had a crazy, I covered the Chappelle attack because I ended up being there. And so then I was like reporting on the Chappelle attack and I like wasn't sleeping and last week I was supposed to have like two workouts and I was like, nope, not going to try them. Like, I'm just going to push it to the next week. Mm -hmm. Previous free would have been like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm also going to get my workouts done. And I have, you know, so I've, I've learned, I think more self-respect too, which is um, a hard lesson to, to learn for sure. And it's still hard. I'm sure like you're still oh, like, I'm it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm like, you know, my birthday is coming up and I'm like, I want to run like 33 miles for my birthday. And my coach is like, what? And I'm like, I have to do it. Like, you know, so it's like, I'm like, I'll never change. You know, it's just learning, I think, how to be more balanced 
with with myself so um that's yeah that's that's something too is that I'm just trying to own <laughs> yeah it's, it's hard it's hard and it's kind of like you know it's a habit that you're you're it's gonna take a few months or even years to kind of change but at least now that you're aware it's the awareness that you cannot like oh no 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 I get no I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna do that you just kind of like constantly bringing yourself back to the present moment yeah um, my friend said too recently because I was like lamenting and woe is me about how I, you know, we did Baldy the other day and I was like, I used to just like charge up this and then I would like run and now I'm like, I'm hiking and I'm already sore and this is really hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she said something that was so powerful. She said, you know, I think that's what's so great about running is we have to like, a lot of times we just have to, we fall down and we have to like start over and we start from scratch mm -hmm. and it means a lot more. And I think that was, I haven't had to, to do that before you know like it's been a long time since I had to just completely start from from scratch at a thing that you know comes easily and I think that it it makes you value it more and it shows you that you want it more um than when it when it is easy I think when it comes when it's hard and you have to like really work at it I think it the the gains mean more you know like the next race I do for example that I'll finish like that will probably be a really the most important race I've run. Oh yeah, you're probably like break down crying at the end because you. Yeah, like, wow. position I come in like I'm just like God. Like I just didn't even like I still in my head I'm like I think of running 68 miles or 100 miles and I'm like, how did I do that? And being able to show myself I could do that again whenever that time is like that's gonna be a big moment for me. Yeah, it's gonna be gratitude and it's gonna be like wow like the thought that I never even thought I could run this again the chance of running and thanking your body for the yeah. opportunity to be able to do it again um yeah. Brie thank you so much for joining me today I do have one last question which I ask almost all my guests and you know the reason I have this podcast is because I want to influence more women to run on the trails as you know this is a sport that's dominated by males so I kind of on a mission to change that I, I and I also want to just inspire that anybody who's interested or curious about ultra running to kind of see like hey this this might be you or this might benefit you it benefits people in so many different ways so my question to you is how has ultra running changed your life and kind of you benefit from them oh god that's such a good question um i mean god like it just brings me so much joy and i think like it's so rare when and i've learned this after talking to people for my job and everything. i think it's so rare when we find something that really ignites us and we are really passionate about a lot of people haven't found something they're passionate about and that makes me sad so when when we do have something like that like it's such a gift so ultra running i just didn't know all right i lost oh um oh am i there wait so the last thing i heard is that ultra running you didn't know and then that's the last oh. thing I, I mean, I didn't know it was something I was passionate about or that I, you know, would find so much joy in. So just, just that discovery alone. Um, and then just showing me kind of, I think, what my, like, you know, fears are and then uh, and of, of, of self-doubt and then giving me a vehicle to explore those fears and then, like, kind of push beyond, beyond them. 
um, is, is, is something that is really, I want to continue to do my whole life. And then just the people, all of like my, so many of my best friends I've met because they're ultra runners. And I think they're just like the most like deep, amazing, real people. And I couldn't imagine living life without them. So, and I, yeah, I'm in LA who wants to like run any women runners. Like I, I will like cat your ear off. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm down to run with anyone. So I think I meeting people um, through running is one of my favorite things to do. So please just DM me. Yes. Where can people find you? Uh, you mean like physically or like on Instagram? On Instagram, any social media platforms? Because we also have the podcast of so those that are listening later on. They can hear where they are able to find you. Oh, yeah. So at Bri Saxy is my uh, B-R-I-S-A-C-K-S-Y is my Instagram. I'm on Twitter, um, Brianna Sachs. You can just search me. Um, and yeah, I think those are my two main social media channels. Um, oh, favorite running. So, uh, yeah. But thank you so much for joining me today, Brie. Really, really appreciate you and your time. I know we had a few scheduling going on, but I'm glad we finally made it. And I'll answer Vince's question real fast. Um, he said favorite running trail. Uh, Wil Wilson, Baldy, or not Baldy, um, Backbone, obviously, because um, I'm biased. And mm -hmm. Will Rogers is uh, one of my favorite local ones. And so. congratulations for still holding on the Backbone FKT. That, that, was, that was pretty inspiring to see because I know Shelby did it, then you came and did it. So that was like, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's always awesome, you know. A lot of badass. My friend Mac also, um, she did it first. So she, yeah, there's a lot of badass women who, who went out there um, for it. So we all own it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's really amazing. Um, and I thank you so much for being an example in the community of what is possible and also just being vulnerable. Because I feel like most as athletes, we should share the good and the bad, right? Like it's not always rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest thing for me is like, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on Strava and I spend less now because we don't, we just glorify, you know, the, like the pushing, but this is a side I think to, that so many athletes go through and the more open we can talk, be we talking about it, I think it will um, make us feel less alone and also help others not to get into that position. Well, thank you so much, Brie. Appreciate your time. And thank you everyone who joined us today and asked questions. Thank you. Uh, for participating. Again, this is the She Runs Troll podcast. If you came later on in the episode, this episode will be saved on my IG, or you can listen to it. I'm going to upload it on, on the podcast Anchor platform, which you can later on listen to either Apple, Spotify, um, pretty much your favorite podcast outlet. So thank you so much, Brie, for joining us today. Thank you. And if I have questions, you, you know where to find me and no question is, is dumb. So I'm happy to share everything. So. <laughs> thank you so much. Have Bye. a good night. Bye.